Hello there. Are you looking for your new favorite true crime podcast? Well, I'm Kita. And I'm Sally. And we are the co-hosts of Homicide Worldwide Podcast. We are two human females who <laughs> like to talk about murder. Every week we get together and we talk about the details, the psychology, and of course, some good smack talk. Join us every Friday for a new episode of Homicide Worldwide. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. And this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 4, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. It originally aired October 13th, 1995. It was written by Darren Morgan, back for his second episode, and directed by David Nutter, back for his this for the episode. <laughs> He's directed a lot. We're into double digits now. So I David, see. David Nutter, I'm pretty sure. Did you know that this episode won two Emmy Awards? I did not know that, but I am not surprised. It was a great episode. It won an Emmy for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series. Oh, I'm shocked. Peter Doyle. Boyle. Peter Boyle. <laughs> and Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series. Oh, nice. So I hope we get more of these. Yeah, I think I have a new favorite episode. Yeah, that's it, what you were saying. It's so good. It's right up there with Eve and Nice. Yeah. For me. What about this one versus Humbug? Oh, it's better than Humbug. Writer against writer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Humbug was good, no doubt. But yeah. this is, it's such a good episode. And I knew it was going to be a good episode because it before there's even a picture, you hear Peter Boyle's voice. And I got super excited. Well, you are not the only one to think this because as of 2022, this is the highest rated episode of the entire series. Really? Yep. Wow. Did yeah, makes perfect sense. It really does. The The humor in this is, it just it just kept going. It was great. Yeah, and it doesn't take away from the seriousness of it. No, episode. no, it's really well balanced. Yeah. All right, you want to get into the cast? Yeah. We have Peter Boyle, a.k.a. Clyde Bruckman. He was also in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, he plays Frankenstein's monster. Oh, does he? Yes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I should have looked up who he played, but I did not. Yeah, most people know him as the dad and Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't, because oh. I never watched that show. I also didn't know that. Yeah. I was like, this guy looks familiar. No, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's a well-established, very good actor. Yeah, but I, I had to look up something that he was in. And no, that totally makes sense. All of it. Uh, we also have Stuart Charno. Yeah, do you recognize that name? last name yes specifically. it's the same it's the charno chicken the ch huh <laughs> is it not I, I looked at it and i was like oh no is this that chicken thing again i don't know what chicken thing you're talking about all right well he is aka the puppet and he reminds me of alfredo linguini i don't know who that is well well his last name charno has shown up in the x-files before sarah b charno wrote the kalashari Oh! My favorite episode of The Cast Files. Oh my gosh. 
they we were just all the wheels fell off and we just kept going <laughs> they were married for a while oh okay yeah the name looked familiar but i thought it was the what was it chago chicken oh chago chicken okay. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> we have frank cassini aka detective klein he played sally's husband from watchmen the movie or the tv show the movie the movie Sally. I don't remember which one Sally is. Me neither, but I loved that he wasn't named. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Dwight McPhee, a.k.a. Detective Havez, was the sheriff in Warehouse 13. Or a sheriff in Warehouse 13. Huh. Just known as sheriff. Or just credited as sheriff. Yeah, probably in one episode. <laughs> yeah, but I liked that it referenced Warehouse 13, so I grabbed that one. And Karen Conneval, a.k.a. Madame Zelma, she played Maurice from War for the Planet of the Apes and all of the other Planet of the Apes. Oh, movies. Interesting. I didn't realize. I I picked the first one that showed up, and I was like, how many of these are there? Well, there's just three for the... Uh, the Planet of the Apes? With the, like, the newer ones. Well, it just seemed like a lot of apes that I was looking at. Oh, uh, maybe she's in the originals, I guess. It's an awful lot of apes. It, it is. And I have zero interest in watching any of those movies. The very first one is fantastic. Good. Very, very good. I'm glad that you enjoyed watching it. It's well worth watching for anybody, actually. Well, I don't think Charlie and I are going to do it. Okay. Her namesake is in it. She is named after Charlton Heston, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know how, how much of a fan I am of Charlton Heston. <laughs> All right. So this episode is um, summed up as a grumpy old man with psychic powers that show him how someone will die assists the agents with the hunt for a crazed killer who targets psychics. He also cryptically reveals to Mulder and Scully their own ultimate fates. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Well, maybe he does. Well, let's get there. Okay. Let's wait till we get there. I actually have something about that too. So actually, maybe. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's start in St. Paul, September 16th. Breckman exits the store, singing softly, That'll be the day to himself. Well, hold on. We're skipping over some stuff. Because it opens with just Peter Boyle's voice. And he's reading tabloid headlines. Oh my gosh, yes. He's reading predictions. That's right. From the front page of an Inquirer-type magazine. Do you remember any of the predictions? Yes. Uh, Madonna and Cato Kalin. Superstar Madonna and Super Witness? Yeah. Cato? They don't even say Cato Kalin. They just say Cato. Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't... I must have read the full name on the magazine because I remember whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting. Was he a Super Witness? I think if he was a Super Witness, maybe the killer would have went to jail for that. He was... He had a name that was interesting to say. He did. I think that was probably why they kept talking about him. Yeah. And did you know that the Browns dog was named after him? Wow, that's wild. Because he was such a big, goofy dude that kids named the dog the do- after the him. Golden, they had a golden retriever? Yep. Okay. So that's just a bit of information I have floating around in my head, taking up space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you remember any of the other predictions? Um... Not immediately. Now I'm just thinking about the Golden Retriever. J.D. Salinger is going to release a new novel. Oh, that's right. And then hit the talk show circuits. Oh, yes. The famous recluse. Yes. (laughs) I thought that one was pretty funny. (laughs) And uh, then it's going to be revealed that Elvis is not alive. 
because that right. was a big thing throughout, like, since he died. Right. It, not so much anymore because nobody gives a shit about Elvis anymore. Right, because but. we're all catching up with not caring. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's catching up to me. Yeah, oh. Okay. <laughs> but Buddy Holly is going to be alive. Yes. And have faked his death in the plane crash. That's right. And what does he say? Oh, he has trouble pronouncing Lollapalooza. Yeah, yeah. And so he asks... <laughs> so he asks the guy behind the counter who is about four minutes younger than him right. what Lollapalooza is. And the guy says, who's Buddy Holly? Holly? Yeah, that's the least <laughs> realistic thing that happens in this episode. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was silly. and The predictions were made by the stupendous Yappy. Oh, yeah. I was hoping to not talk about him for as long as possible. Oh, really? You uh, like him? I love him. The stupendous Yappy? I absolutely love him. His name is just a tiny dog. Yeah. Oh, my god. And gosh. he lives up to the name. It's true. Hold on, I have a bit of trivia about him. Okay, the character of Yappy is quite clearly a parody of the self-proclaimed psychic Yuri Geller. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I see it. While Yappy bends pins in place of spoons. Mm -hmm. They even have a close physical resemblance. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense now that you say it. So I wrote that down, but I can't picture the guy. I mean, I can picture Yappy. I just watched it, but I <laughs> can't picture Yuri. Still, can I go on? Okay. Can he leave the store now? Yeah, he can leave the store. <laughs> Except, wait, no. Okay, he buys, he... what does he buy? A lotto ticket? A pint of whiskey? A, a pint of scotch malt that's it and the magazine and reluctantly he goes and this yeah <laughs> like he's upset with himself and i was like but you've already read all the good parts yeah. <laughs> the headlines yeah you don't think the articles inside are going to be just as no compelling? reading the headlines while you're waiting to check out is where it's at i agree it's the only place it's at it needs to stay there <laughs> <laughs> they should just be front one page <laughs> yeah although if you do love reading those by all means have a blast. Send me articles about cryptids that are inside. Yeah, we have established that Mulder gets case ideas from them. Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, so now can he leave the store? Yes, now he can leave the store. All right, so now he leaves the store. And that's when he's singing, That'll Be the Day to himself. Do you know that song? That's a Buddy Holly song. I That'll figured. be the day that we say goodbye. That's That'll right. That'll be the day that you make me cry. That'll be the day. One more line. <laughs> That'll be the day that I die. Ah, oh, mm -hmm. I see what's happening. Yep. <laughs> he nearly collides with another man as they're both... The the one guy is walking toward him. He's walking across the street. They do this little... That thing that you do when you're trying to get out of somebody's way, but each of you are trying to get out of each other's way in the same direction. Especially if both of you are psychic. <laughs> yeah. That's... That's why it happens. Yep. <laughs> it happens because you're both psychic. The other guy remarks that Bruckman is a better dancer than his first date or his last date. And I say, well, that actually means this guy sucks at leading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> the other man walks to the office of the palm reader, Madame Zelma. And just because you can't see this, this is the guy who looks like Alfredo Linguini. Mm, the puppet. Just for reference. Uh, Stu, Sharna, if you're disgusting. <laughs> or Linguini, if you... Are nice. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, which you don't. <laughs> I don't. So he goes to see Madame Zelma, where 
he believes that Madame Zelma should have seen his immediate actions. He's asking her to read his palms. Can you really see what I'm going to do? And then she says, of course I can. I can see whatever's... It's all written in your palm. And that's when he says, well, tell me why I I want to do the things that I'm going to do. (laughs) And she's like, "I'm I'm a psychic, not a psychiatrist or something. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good line. It was it was pretty fun. And, and then he kills her. Less fun. It was definitely less fun. So it sounds like that setup, the way that he was saying his lines were what sounded like this is the first time he... That's how I got it. That's okay. how I read it. It sounds like this is the first murder. 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 So just all of a sudden one day he wakes up and he's like, killing psychics. Mm-hmm. He saw it happen, so he had to do it. Can you imagine if... I did everything that I saw in my dreams. I don't think that would be possible. No. My dreams do not know what physics are. No. Most people's don't. They're like, have you seen this building? All of the hallways just continue forever. (laughs) There's no end. There's no (laughs) way out. And someone's coming from the opposite direction. Does it seem like the room is getting larger? (laughs) Or is it your imagination? And consider this dismaying observation. This chamber has no windows. So that's the cold open, and that's our dead body in the cold open. Yay for us. Yay, we did it. Now, three days later, we are in North Minneapolis, and it opens on a pair of entrails that look like the sausages you make. Delicious. And a pair of eyeballs. Less so. And I just thought it was great. But it's so quick that I looked down and you had to rewind it so that I could see it. Because you had said you were excited about seeing the intros. Yeah. I couldn't let you miss them. I appreciate that because I was, it was so quick. How fast was that? Very. A quarter of a second. So I didn't get too much entrails and eyeballs. I really think they could have lingered on it a while. They should have. For me. I wanted to see if the eyes were the same color as hers. I was paying special attention. But it was over at a quarter of a second. It was too fast. Too fast. So we're inside. We're at the crime scene, obviously. We're at a crime scene. um, Inside the home of another murder victim. Because remember, when we first started, we were in, where were we? St. Paul. And now we're in North Minneapolis, which is wildly a different place. Not wildly. They're the Twin Cities. Because they were born at the same time. And they look identical. I see. <laughs> and, they, and they're and they next to each other. Like twins are. Yep, always. That's how you know they're twins and not just siblings. they're always next to each other. That's <laughs> how so you differentiate twins from siblings. So there's a bunch of investigators inside. They are arguing over the fact that one of them has invited a source who is thought to be somewhat spooky. They're talking about how... This guy has done a lot of work on other investigations. He's really, he may not be, what was it? He, he doesn't do this, like the standard procedure, but they're talking it up about mm-hmm. how he's made advances in other cases. Yeah, and he's done really good. I worked a case he was on once. It was really spooky. That's right. Then in walks Fox Mulder. They do a freaking hero shot of him coming through the door it's a hero shot it's amazing oh my gosh and they actually have his hair on point this time yeah he looks good he did which was great because if he had walked in with that frizzy hair that he's been having a lot of Mm -hmm. it would have detracted from the hero shot and it would have just been like 
but it was a good hero the, shot. The some dude shot. Yeah, the some <laughs> The this dude shot. Hey, the, check out this guy. This schmaloak. Yep. And then <laughs> one of the three detectives turns around and says, hey, who are you? <laughs> it's really funny. Which really, so we get the Madame Zalta saying, look, I can't help you about what you're doing because I'm not a I'm not a psychologist, which is just like, all right, we're getting we're getting some of the tone here and this is this just solidifies the mm-hmm. tone for the rest of it. Hey, who are you? So Detective Klein is the one who asks who he is. We will I guess find out that that's Detective Klein. He's definitely named here, but I can't remember what he looks like and we literally just watched this. <laughs> Scully follows Mulder inside, and despite Detective Chavez saying that the detectives suspect a Satanist is responsible, Ugh, gross. the agents have their own profile of the killer, which is literally what they should have because they're profilers. Yeah, and Fox Mulder, is, that's what he does. He's like the ace profiler. He's the psychologist who does the profiles. This is the third time we've seen him. Do it in three seasons. This time he actually showed up with it first. So Mulder spots evidence that the victim read tea leaves and knew she was about to die. And I just wrote in all caps, ha 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 ha. I'm skeptical because then she got busy with him. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. I think Mulder does not know how to read tea leaves. Same, girl. Same. (laughs) When he picked up the tea leaves and he said that she was reading tea leaves, and I said, yeah, it says her cup's empty. It's time for a refill. Ugh. But you can get a steeper, and then you don't have to worry about your tea leaves in the bottom and getting them, like, on your tongue and stuff. But then you can't read people's fortunes. When I steep my tea leaves, the answer is always a disc of tea leaves. I know. I've seen it. (laughs) All right. So the actual person who they were waiting on, the spooky guy comes in with an entire mob of fans. I never travel without my fans either. I guess that's true. So Yappy arrives. The spectacular yet? Stupendous Yappy? Oh, I've forgotten. I think it's stupendous. That sounds right. I didn't write it down until the very end. (laughs) My prediction was that he's going to die. So I guess we'll stay tuned (laughs) to find Mm, out. (laughs) Yes. He's doing that thing where he's got... Oakley's of the 90s, if they're Oakley's, that's also fine. But he's got, like, the wraparound sunglasses, and he's wearing his coat jacket, but just on his shoulders. Yeah, it's a good look. And he whips off his glasses and hands them to the baldest woman in charge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who shows up again at the end. Yes. <laughs> and I guess he gives his jacket away, too. And he, so he hushens, he hushens. Yep. <laughs> he hushens the crowd. I'm sticking to it. I said it twice. He hushens the crowd and begins to theatrically detail several visions he apparently experiences involving the murder. So he's walking around just being like, stuff happened, blood, awfulness. Wah! He does the craziest cold read anybody's ever done. He does the most basic cold read anyway. But he does it excitedly. He was pretty excited about it. And then there's a... He feels he is not in control of his life. Yeah. I don't know what his accent was. I don't... No. Nobody knows. He doesn't know. But then he stops, claiming that he's detecting negative energy in the room. 
And I said, negative energy at the scene of a very recent <laughs> murder involving disembodied parts? Weird. No. Negative energy? Yeah. So then he walks toward Scully, and then he veers left to Mulder. <laughs> it's another good misdirect. He kicks Mulder out of this <laughs> dumb reading. <laughs> Your thoughts tell me otherwise. <laughs> So Mulder's asked to leave, even though Mulder says, I'm the believer. Yeah, I'm the one who believes this stuff. It's her. Kick her out. <laughs> and that's when Yappy says, uh-huh. you just delivered the line. I don't remember it. Your thoughts tell me otherwise. Oh, uh, yes. You just delivered the line. <laughs> I've forgotten it since then. A lot's happened. <laughs> Mulder is later waiting outside the apartment, so apparently he actually left for the whole rest of this stupid yeah. reading. As Yappy passes him outside the door, the two have another confrontation. They are just staring at each other, and mm. Mulder is absolutely taller. Yes, by quite a bit. Yeah. So what does he say? Oh, he doesn't. Mulder doesn't say anything, and that's when Yappy says, And so is your father. No, Yappy says, Skeptics like you make me want to vomit. And then Mulder says, Read this thought. Oh, that's what he says. I knew he said something, and then I forgot what it was. Yeah, he looks shocked. <gasps> so is your old man. That's right. Too soon. Mulder's dad just died, yeah. Yappy. Just like five episodes ago. Dude, which could be in this universe... Seven years or seven days. Or Yeah. Who knows? Nobody. Nobody knows. Nobody has any idea because they actually brought the profile this time and we have no idea how long it takes them to write profiles no but we did get bottom thirds on this one there were dates i didn't write any of them down because you usually do yeah i usually do i did not Mm. so but it doesn't matter because i don't know when his dad died there was probably bottom thirds for that as well i know but i didn't reference it yeah just saying there's ways to know (laughs) nope no i can't can't we can't know can't be done if you go back now the bottom thirds are gone (laughs) super weird (laughs) So all of that happens. Mulder re-enters the apartment and doubts Yappy's vague predictions, which is great, actually, for Mulder. Yeah, good job. Good job here. Although Klein, Detective Klein, seems convinced of their authenticity. Calls them solid concrete leads. It was wild. So Scully makes a comment that, oh yeah, you missed a, you really missed a show. And he's, <laughs> and Mulder's like, let me guess. He said, there's an S and maybe a seven. And there's or a, a church or a school. <laughs> Nearby. not Maybe yeah. not exactly where it happened, but like around. <laughs> They're in a school zone. <laughs> a school district. Yes. <laughs> it happened in a school district. There's some trees, or maybe not. Oh, yeah, one of the things was, what did they do? They put out the APB, and it's he's a male, it's 17 a, to 34. So if you excuse me, i got to put out an APB on a white male, age 17 to 34, with a beard, or maybe not, and maybe a tattoo. Yep. Solid. With, it's with or without a beard. Yes. And maybe a tattoo. Yep. Really narrowed it down. In the meantime, Clyde Bruckman is an insurance salesman by trade. He is trying to sell insurance to a young couple. Although the husband had intended to buy a boat, he's like, I want to get all of the insurance numbers down so that I can buy a boat. And Bruckman's like, yeah, don't buy a boat. And the guy's like, but I'm a young white guy. I gotta buy a boat. It's a really good boat. And his wife doesn't have any lines, of course. And I forgot there was a wife in the scene. Yep. And Bruckman says, you can't, you can't buy a boat. 
you need to buy your you need to buy premium life insurance because you're gonna die and then he describes every second of this man's death including the 60 feet of highway that his body skims across <laughs> you you end up looking worse than the 60 feet of bad road that your body drags down or yes and he's like and you need to get this insurance policy for your wife and young daughter no daughter in the room at the no. time yeah so he's predicting all of this stuff and the guy says dude bro you gotta work on your closing and we hard disagree yep <laughs> like, give me the best life insurance you got give me five million dollars in coverage i'm sorry did you just step by step describe my untimely demise <laughs> What do you think? Do you think it would have dissuaded him from buying the boat if he had said that if you get the boat, you're going to die? I don't think so. No, not at all. I think it was better that it didn't involve the boat. Yeah, you're towing your boat when it happens. Yeah. (laughs) The wife, again, doesn't say anything. So at least she knows she's got an an out in two years. Yeah, she's like, take that insurance. (laughs) Sighing, Bruckman returns home to his own apartment. As he later throws away a vegetable, it's a head of lettuce that he's got in a bag. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this. He's disgusted to see it become the vision of a man's severed head. And I was like, ew, why'd you, why? Why'd you put that in your fridge? <laughs> he just throws it away. He next is, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the insurance company he works for. But he does go next door to his elderly neighbor, Mrs. Lowe, where Bruckman sees a vision of her dog nibbling at entrails. And this is just this, what kind of a dog is this? A Pomeranian? Sure. It's a Pomeranian. He asks Mrs. Lowe if she has any garbage to go out. She hands him the lighter, I think, first. He says, no, 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 not your lighter, your garbage. And then she hands him the trash. And he's asking if, she has enough dry dog food, but she's... you have enough supplies. Do you have enough dog food? Are you doing okay? Yeah. Because he knows she's going to die soon. Yeah. And she... Doesn't hear him. She doesn't hear him. She's not, she's not really present. Yeah. So she closes the door and he takes the trash out. So he goes to throw the trash out and then he stops and turns around and he opens the dumpster again and voila, un canard. Uh, or a dead body. <laughs> uh, or a dead body. There's a dead body in there. It's Madame Zelma. <laughs> so the agents come to question Bruckman, and Bruckman just tells them everything. And they're like, wait a second. So, <laughs> you how know do you, way too much. How do you know all of these details, including. So he didn't touch the body, he didn't move the body. The body doesn't have eyes, the body doesn't have entrails, and the eyes were. Sorry, trigger warning, this is what actually is said cut out by the crystal ball shards yeah shard of crystal ball yikes so they're all like wait a second how do you know all of this without having touched her and he's like i'm busy you guys have to go (laughs) (laughs) which is not how you get agents out of your house by telling them a bunch of details that you couldn't possibly know if you were not the killer yeah after you invite them in there just is no way to get them out that of is house. true so just don't invite them in first first of all they're like vampires that's right cops are vampires yep Mulder says um actually 
we're gonna have to take you with us. And Brookman's like, Pokemon meme? What? <laughs> but then, instead of taking him down to, I don't know, Geohost Rock or whatever, they take him to the doll lady's crime scene. Yeah, the, la- the latest. The one where Yappy was at. Yeah. And they say, no, you're not a suspect. And that's when I wrote in my notes, why is he not a suspect? Why? Like, we know that he didn't do it. Right. But how would he not be a suspect right there? And it's just because Mulder has a hunch. Mulder's got a feeling. I got a feeling. So we go into the doll apartment and he walks around and he's is saying, why, are you, why did you bring me here? And then he sees the bloody doily. Yeah. And he runs into the bathroom and retches, which I found interesting because he had just found a bloated dead body. He didn't in really look at the it, dumpster. Her hand was hanging out of the yeah. dumpster. Seeing a hand is probably not as bad as seeing somebody get murdered. I agree, but he didn't see somebody get murdered. He just saw the blood. Oh, you think he's yeah? Envisioned? He's getting the visions. I didn't think about that. I was like, why is just this blood spatter driving him nuts? No, it's because he started having the... That makes sense. I'm slow on the uptake. Mm. Actually, I was just thinking, he's already seen the dog eat the old woman's entrails. Yeah. He's seen the severed head in his fridge. He's seen the dead body. All of this was within the last, what, 14 minutes? (laughs) So now he's upset? It just, it was wild. But you're right, if he's envisioning it. All right, that would be gross. When Yappy was there earlier, he uh, he indicated that the woman involved was assaulted, but then Bruckman comes in and he's like, "Oh no, no, this is this is consensual. This is fine." And that's when <laughs> Doll Lady was horned up. And so that's when Mulder's like, "So what's wrong?" And Bruckman goes, "Oh, sorry. Sometimes it seems like everyone's having sex but me," <laughs> which was. <laughs> pretty funny <laughs> and it was also good because yabby came in and i skipped a lot of that part but ugh, just the worst as his name would imply mm-hmm. <laughs> this is when Mulder says that he absolutely believes brockman and scully's like mm, no this is scully says now you're a psychic yeah and i was like no scully you're the psychic we've read that book or at least five chapters of it <laughs> well i've read the book and then i've read five chapters of it to you okay <laughs> So anyway, Scully is, is like, no, he's just doing what Yappy does, but his performance is different. <laughs> he's got different vibes. Different vibes. And one of them says something about negative energy, and he's like, what's negative energy? Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, what is this mumbo jumbo you're talking about? Oh, and so this is when he walks around the room, and he's getting all in his, his own vibes, and he's Wondering why the victim chose to become a doll collector. Was it something that happened? Was it one thing that happened in her life? Or was it something that happened before her parents even met? I do like his quasi-obsession with that sort of thing. Like, what events lead to other events? All of the events that led to this moment right now. Right. Was it one, one thing, thing or many things? goes different than none of this happens. And it's... I think about that stuff all the time. I think a lot of people do. I imagine so, but I just, I liked it. I His it was delivery good. was good. The, I don't, it's really easy to get that wrong, that character wrong, or yeah. that, that tone wrong, and they did a good job here. 
I just didn't do a good job in my notes, so was, that's why I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, is scanning the dolls as he's talking, and he finds a doll with, like, a bloated fetus face. Yeah, it's it was, super gross. It was real gross and wet looking. Wet looking. Good Props good. to the prop department. Yes, props to the prop department. Exactly. Very well done. Real gross. Super. That's when he he picks up the doll and he predicts that they're going to find the victim's body floating in Glenview Lake near a, quote, fat little white Nazi stormtrooper, unquote. And I guess I should look up what this is. What do you mean? A Nazi stormtrooper. Oh, it's because of the, the cap on the propane tank looks a little bit like a Nazi helmet. That's what they were referencing? That's what it is. Yeah. That's I why just I... kept looking at the large round cylinder and being like, what is this? What Nazi thing looks like a circle? <laughs> no, it's the, the cap the on cap. the top looks like a, vaguely like a Nazi helmet. So basically he tells them where the second victim that we know of is going to be found. And then he's like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. And they let him go. Like Giovanni Ribisi in the last one. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm going to get out of here. Yeah, I gotta leave now. I love how this guy is the only one who's who knows details that there's absolutely no way that he could know except if he was the murderer. Mm-hmm. And they're just letting him go. Yeah. Again and again and, and again. Because Mulder believes that he's psychic. Scully's a real good sport. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're also lucky that Mulder's correct that he's not the killer because <laughs> otherwise. Way to drop the ball. There'd be a lot of blood on Mulder's hands. And it's not like more people would have died, though, because they don't stop Anybody? No. Oh, no. Like cops. So now we're at Glenview Lake. There's a crowd, and Scully is watching the body get pulled out of the lake along with the crowd. Mulder says, hey, Scully, doesn't that propane tank over there look like a fat little white Nazi stormtrooper? And that's when I was just like... Gonna have David explain this to me on the podcast. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. <laughs> and she's like, Look, I said this already, and a psychic can say a bunch of vague things. And so after the fact, when something fits, you're like, They knew all along, which it's, is exactly how they do it. It's exactly what Mulder said earlier in the episode. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but yes. now he doesn't believe it. Right. So Scully reminds him, and he's like, uh-uh. He said, did you answer my question? <laughs> that's, what, that's right. So she's like, yeah, fine. It does look a little bit like that. And Mulder's still doubting that Breckman is the killer, and Scully is doubting that he's psychic. Scully suggests another alternative, that maybe he's simply lucky. But wait! Oh, okay. Because next we cut to him at home, <laughs> Breckman at home, being frustrated while listening to the radio, giving the lotto ticket numbers, and he didn't win a single number because he was off by one on every single <laughs> Oh, I didn't catch number. that. Oh, that's fun. And he's like, oh, why do I keep doing this to myself? And I was but like... But he says yeah. it in the Peter Boyle way. Yes. <laughs> why do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really good. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't notice he was off by one on all of them. That's amazing. Yeah, so maybe he's not lucky. <laughs> <laughs> he defeatedly puts his head in his hands, and as he does, someone knocks on the door. Bruckman doesn't look up. He still has his head in his hands, and he's he says 
he says, what does he say? I knew it was you. I knew you'd be back while your your lady partner is off. Um, doing an autopsy. Doing... You found the body exactly where I said it would be. You're here to get help with my psychic visions. Yes. Mm. And then he looks up and he goes, oh, it's you. <laughs> it's the funniest joke that's ever been on television. <laughs> it is. And that is why he won the yeah, award. It's <laughs> so good. It's so funny. Oh, it's you. <laughs> why do I do this to myself? Come in. I knew it was you. I know why you're here. You're here because you found that woman's body where I told you it would be. And now you're convinced I have some sort of psychic power. So while your skeptical lady partner is off performing an autopsy, you came here to ask my help catching this serial murderer. Everything you said is correct. Oh, it's you. It was amazing. Deadpan. <laughs> I wonder how many takes they had to do because that was so beautiful. It was. It was great. I would want to be on set for just that. <laughs> Amazing. And we were talking about it. It's as if he is talking to various people about these these things. Like he's been talking to some other guy with a lady doctor partner who's doing an <laughs> autopsy on, on a different body. A <laughs> that different he also case. identified yesterday. It's great. So Mulder's like, yes, of course, I want you to help me catch the murderer and Brookman says no thanks I'm not a snitch <laughs> <laughs> he goes off on this whole thing about how could I see the future if it hasn't already happened and yeah he goes into the uh the viking philosophy of the fates have already spun your tail and it cannot be changed he does it very well he does I enjoyed it's, it it's pretty good but they end up at the police station anyway oh because he says you know, what if I do stop the murder? Well, he says, what if the person I save invents time travel? Then he goes back and he changes some things. That's right. And, and my parents never meet each other. And I'm and, never born. And consequently, I'm never born. All right, let's go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, he had a dilemma about it until he got to that bit. And he was, oh, I'll change my mind then. Yes. This man is a complicated man. <laughs> So in the police interrogation room, Mulder tests whether Bruckman can receive any impressions from several objects. Mulder gives Bruckman an ugly frog thing, and, and Bruckman goes, The man who made this will die of prostate cancer at 82. Is that a hit or a miss? And Mulder's like, I can't verify that. He's like, then why am I here? I said, then why'd you ask me? <laughs> right. It's great. But they end up doing this with several objects. And uh, <laughs> I said that Bruckman was struggling to give any more impressions because he had test anxiety. <laughs> but really, he can only predict people's deaths. Yeah, he can only see death. Yeah. Which, man, that's got to be a long life. Yeah. At one point, he is holding a piece of blue fabric that we all recognize <laughs> from the X-Files Beyond the Sea. And... Uh, this is when Scully comes in and she's like, I heard you were interrogating the witness, but um, what is this? <laughs> she doesn't actually ask what is this because she knows what Mulder's doing. 
<laughs> but Bruckman says, I got it! This is from your New York Knicks t-shirt, which is exactly what... It's what he gave to... Boggs. Yeah. Who said, I tore this from... Oh, he, who, he gave it to Boggs and Mulder says, I tore this off my New York Knicks t-shirt. It has nothing to do, excuse me, with the crime. <laughs> so that was pretty great. Mulder privately tells Scully that he is now convinced Bruckman has only one psychic ability to divine how people will die. Scully hands Bruckman one of three identical keychains that were found on each of the victims, emblazoned with an insignia that Scully reveals she has tracked to a company known as Uranus Unlimited. (laughs) (laughs) W. Bruckman seems to divine many details about the owner. Oh, he's also holding a piece of silk, right? No, he's got the keychain in his hand. He's got the keychain. Oh, he had the silk in his hand at another point. And... He divines a bunch of information about Claude Dukenfield, and Mulder's like, whoa. He's got his address, how much he makes. That he is now divorced, I believe, and... Um, Two kids. Yeah. Smokes or something, probably, because it's 95. And <laughs> Mulder's eyes are just, there's stars sparkling out of them. You divined all of that? He's like, no, I sold Dukenfield insurance a couple months ago. <laughs> Just a really just a good. coincidence. It was so great. Scully mentions that the investigators are trying to find Dukenfield, but Bruckman reveals that the owner is now dead. Yeah, you're not going to find him. He's been murdered. Yeah, <laughs> which again! He doesn't give them information until like the last second. Well, which is fine. Do no, that. I think it's funny. Definitely do that. But he's found another dead person. All he's doing is finding dead people and divining how they died. So he would obviously be the person that they would (laughs) pin all of these murders on. It's just easier for the paperwork. It really is. So they get in the car and Bruckman works on leading the agents to the body's location, insisting to a curious Mulder that he does not know how he is receiving the whereabouts. It was really great because Mulder says something like, how are you getting this information? And Bruckman's like, how am I supposed to know? I don't know. Bruckman also mentions that dying of autoerotic asphyxiation is one of the most undignified ways to end up dying. And Mulder <laughs> leans forward from the back seat and says, why are you telling me? <laughs> it's the second funniest joke ever on TV. <laughs> and I don't know. There are plenty of undignified ways to die. Do you want to list some? Uh, getting a life-size tattoo of somebody your height. <laughs> bleed to death <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i can't top that <laughs> i can't even think of anything after that all i can think of is that <laughs> you short-circuited my brain <laughs> wow <laughs> all right okay so now we arrive at a wooded area that Bruckman deems as being the right place. It doesn't, it's unclear where in this right place it is. And he's like, look, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I can't see the forest for the trees or something. And while they're walking through the forest, Bruckman recounts how he gradually developed his abilities. And I love this explanation. Do you wanna, so much. Do you want to tell it? Sure. Go for it. He says, the big bopper. Yep. And they were like, you saw that death coming? He's like, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had a ticket to see him the next night. And he explains how the Big Bopper ended up on that plane. He wasn't supposed to be on the plane, but he 
didn't want to go on the bus. So he flipped a coin with I forget who. I don't think they said who. With someone else. No, but this is a real story. Oh. Yeah. They uh, flipped a coin to decide who would get to go on the bus and who who got to go on the plane. And I think it might have been Waylon Jennings. But anyway. And he goes through the thing of, like he did in the doll place, where how many things had to line up. Not just in his life, but in everybody else's life. For him to live or die based on a coin flip. Right. And he said he got obsessed just with that. And then from that, he started seeing visions of how people die. It's like the One Punch Man explanation yeah. <laughs> of how he got so strong. Yes. So I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yes, that was to fill in just a little bit, um, in case you don't know, because I didn't know. The Big Bopper sings a song called Chantilly Lace. That's his big hit. Yes, and it's Bruckman's favorite song of the period. And when he won that coin flip, he died in a plane crash. So, Mm -hmm. just in 1959. And Scully says, even if I believed in this sort of stuff, I wouldn't believe that story. And he says, no, it's true, I swear. I was a bigger fan of the Big Bopper than Buddy Holly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As if that was the unbelievable thing. (laughs) Which is great. Yeah. And the, the look she gives... As she turns around, she is over it. She is. It's fantastic. Because Jillian Anderson's face acting is great. Is number two in the world. Is and has always been great. Yes. Both Scully and Mulder question where the body is, but Bruckman says he has difficulty seeing the forest from the trees. The group later try to maneuver their car out of the mud, with Scully driving as Mulder and Bruckman attempt to push the vehicle from behind. Mud splats... Mulder's leg and he sees that Bruckman has adopted an expression that Mulder initially mistakes for a smile but is actually a wince at a hand sticking out of the mud under one of the car's tires so they found him got him how did he get there who killed him why is he in the mud the puppet killed him why would the puppet kill him oh was this guy also a psychic well yeah he's his what did the company do like his stock market analysis or whatever was based on people's astrological signs oh i must have blacked out when they were explaining that (laughs) (laughs) Mulder hands bruckman a fiber the only evidence from claude dukenfield's body which seems strange i feel like there'd be all kinds of gunk on his body to have to go through but (laughs) all right as an fbi crime lab will take much more time although bruckman is preoccupied with thoughts of his own work He reluctantly examines the evidence. He describes visions that the killer sees, featuring Mulder trying to catch the killer in a kitchen and a banana cream pie. Coconut cream pie. Or is it lemon meringue? It's, I don't know, it's hazy. I I love how he does the, oh yeah, it's hazy part about the pie. It's the only thing he does that with. Yes, but he's also stopping before telling Mulder he's gonna get his throat cut. And really just harping on the pie. And Scully, again, is just like... (laughs) She is done. Mulder is eating it up like a banana cream pie, and she is just like, dude, my god. (laughs) Mulder's like, you got all that from just a string of thread? Oh my gosh, yes, that's right. Says, no, how could could I get anything from that? They sent me this letter. (laughs) Another bit of... Um, just fucking with you guys. 
And then he, somebody, they, one of them, I can't remember, asks who sent the letter. He taps his head with the envelope and says, the killer. It's supposed to be a Johnny Carson impression. It is the terriblest Johnny Carson impression. People like to do Johnny Carson, and I couldn't tell you, ever. Okay. Guess who I didn't watch a bunch as a person born way too late to watch Johnny Carson. <laughs> Johnny Carson was very funny. Johnny Carson... Not a good person. As they were on their on the stage. <laughs> Not a good person. No. But very funny. You know what? I think if you're gonna be an awful person, all of your funny points get taken. Oh, okay. So, we will disagree to disagree once again. Okay. <laughs> it just takes all the joy out of it if you're gonna be garbage. I can see that. Then I'm just gonna hate your face, which is a face I do know. Oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> right. That's different. <laughs> So after he does the, he tells Mulder about the pie and the envelope, he dismisses the visions as hallucinations of a madman and reveals they were not deduced from a tiny fabric. However, they read the letter out loud and it doesn't say any of this. It's probably on the back, I guess. It has to be. Says I'm going to kill you with a pie. It has to be. Oh no. He's seeing the puppet's death. But he's also seeing what the puppet thinks is, is going to happen. Yeah. But he knows that that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah it's okay. wild. There's a lot of twists. You have to really untangle it a bit. Yeah. Especially since he's so deadpan with everything, which is great. But some of it you're like, wait a second. What is happening? <laughs> is he just fucking with Mulder or is he also fucking with me? Because it's <laughs> only funny when he fucks with Mulder. Right. <laughs> The killer has a reading done by a tarot dealer. So many tarot cards. There were ten cards on that table. Were there? Yeah. Because they only show him turn over four. Something like that. There's a variety of ways that you can do it. The three is the the quickest. It's like past, present, future. Yeah, he has three past, present, futures. And then, yeah, there's and a, then a tenth one just by itself at the bottom. Yeah. There's a lot of different styles and designs that you can do, and they all mean different things, but you can't shoot the whole tarot reading for a TV show. People would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we doing this? Why is this entire 44-minute episode just one tarot reading? <laughs> yes. One fictionalized tarot reading about a, a fictional character. If it was Dragon Ball Z, that would be the way they do it. That would be, yeah. One full episode, one tarot reading. <laughs> So it makes sense that, it, you know, he's asking some complex questions or whatever. And he says, as the, he's making the tarot dealer nervous because he's being a big creep. And as he's reaching for the final card to flip it over, the puppet says, no, 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 no. This one's not for me. It's for you. And which card do you think it is? Um, the party. Yep. And then they, then all of his friends jump out from behind all of the... It's great. And then they have a party. Yeah. Awesome. End of episode. That's it. It was great. You thought it was going to end tragically, but it didn't. Just kidding. He dies. At the, at La Dafino Hotel on September 21st, they are in a hotel room. They being Bruckman and Scully. Scully is studying some paperwork on potential suspects and she says this is what real detective work looks like and he says you're jealous we can't just go off of visions right <laughs> so he's like oh you're jealous yep 
which is pretty funny. Um, while Breckman foretells of a special moment in which he and Scully will end up in bed together, this whole scene is gross. It does initially sound like that, but then he clarifies. He doesn't clarify. Yeah, he does. He doesn't clarify. He says he's crying in the vision. Because it's so nice and sweet and they had a moment together. Yeah. It still sounds like... You can have moments without having sex. Not right after somebody propositions you. You don't automatically he go... Proposition he's so dead! <sighs> because he even goes, oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, I don't mean to make you nervous or afraid or anything. And I'm like, yeah, I've definitely heard this before. And you know what happens next? You're still a creep. Scully is preparing to leave uh, when Mulder comes to take over the shift. And she says, all right, fine. How do I die? And he says, you don't. Yeah. Super cool. It's pretty great. Because it could be he doesn't want to tell her. Mm-hmm. Or it could be Dana Scully never dies. Or it could be you don't die before I do. Well, neither, does, you don't... neither is Mulder, but he told Mulder how he died. Well... That's pretty... I think he was... Well, because everyone's having sex but him. So he was obviously thinking about it some more. Mulder was having sex. Not when he dies. With himself. Oh, okay. But I, I like it because I was also thinking, like, what if Scully gets abducted and then something supernatural happens and she doesn't die? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It could be Dana Scully never dies. It could be crazy. Mm-hmm. So... She doesn't obviously take this to heart, but she's no. like, all right, I, I did it. I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder tells her that the fabric that they found from the mud body was Chantilly lace, but Scully is insistent that this is a mere coincidence. And I was like, all right, we've said Chantilly lace a bunch of times. What is so special about it? Chantilly lace is known for its fine ground outlined pattern and abundant detail. Ooh. The pattern is outlined in cordonette, a flat, untwisted strand. The best Chantilly laces were made of silk and were generally black, which made them suitable for morning wear. Oh, interesting. I had no idea. I've heard of it, but I just knew it was a style and not a... Didn't know anything else about it, so there we go. Later that night, Mulder's on duty, and Mulder and Bruckman talk while lying in separate beds. Mulder wonders if Bruckman ever has prophetic dreams... But Bruckman describes the only dream he ever has of his own naked, dead body disintegrating before wishing Mulder goodnight. <laughs> it's and so existential really when he's is. telling him, and then he just goes, okay, goodnight. And he turns off the light. <laughs> it's amazing. It was great. The next morning, Scully knocks on the door, and Mulder answers, and he just looks disheveled, probably because he was sleeping on a bed, which we know he doesn't do. Oh, man, I didn't even think of that. You're good. You're very good. I was thinking that he was up all night thinking about the existential <laughs> part of his body decaying after he accidentally strangles himself uh, in excess style. Well, at least he doesn't die getting a full-size body tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scully has brought Detective Havas with her, who is going to take over while Scully and Mulder go to the scene of the tarot dealer's murder. But they unknowingly pass the killer, who is dressed as a bellhop, because I think that's his job. Yeah, that's his job. <laughs> He's that's just his job. And they do a little dance in the hallway, just like just, just like, like Brookman mm -hmm. did in in the street. 
and they leave. In Bruckman's room, Havez finishes telling the psychic a joke Bruckman already knew without ever having heard it. Havez doesn't get it. Nope. We do, though. Yes. Ugh. Havez asks, all right, so can you really see how people are going to die? And Bruckman says, sure. And Havez says, do I die of lung cancer? He's been holding a cigarette this whole time. Bruckman says, no. Nope. It's just the slightest head shake. It's the slightest. And Havez is relieved and lights a cigarette (laughs) immediately. And then goes to the bathroom. Do people? Yes. That seems... Yes. All right. Havez is in the bathroom for a long time. He tells Bruckman as he's going into the bathroom, don't answer the door for anybody. But Bruckman is staring at Mrs. Lowe's lighter, distracted by it, because Mrs. Lowe is probably dying. Yeah. In that moment. Yeah. So he doesn't hear Havez say that. It was it was intense. Yeah, he's staring at the lighter, and you're right. He says, oh, God. Yep. And then as soon as Havez is in the bathroom, someone knocks on the door. Bruckman gets up to answer it. It is the bellhop bringing in... Room service. Room service, yeah. They ordered room service. Yep, makes sense. They, what happens? Okay, so Bruckman gives... tips him. Yes. gives him a a A dollar. dollar. And when the bellhop touches the dollar, he gets, you know, the psychic surge, like uh, Christopher Walken in uh, the Dead Zone. Okay. So he gets the, oh, it's you. And then Bruckman goes over to the tray, and Mm -hmm. when he touches the tray, he goes, oh... It's you. And they do this slow turn to look at each other. And it's real good. It's real good. It is. So Bruckman touches the tray and the knife on the tray. Mm-hmm. And that's when he knows who it is. And I don't remember how... I don't remember what happens that the puppet gets the knife. He just walks over and takes it. Okay. Yeah, Bruckman was... doesn't like fight with him or anything. No, but he do... now the puppet has the knife and Bruckman says... You, no, well, you don't... they're they're talking first. They're oh. just having a conversation. He's like, "Why do I do the things I do?" Oh yeah, because you're a psychic. You know, why do I do these? And he's just like, "Cause you're a psycho." Cause you're a homicidal maniac, is it, what he says. Uh huh. And it's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I he am." Likes, he likes that answer. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Sometimes you just need to put yeah. words to your feelings, yeah. and it really does. It really helps. It really clarifies a lot. Yeah. Which is what happens. So Bruckman helps him. And that's when the puppet's going to stab him. He's like, no, 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 you don't kill me right now. And he says, well, well why not? And Bruckman goes, mm. <laughs> How should I know? <laughs> the thing he's been saying the entire episode, how should I know? And right about this time is when Javez comes out of the <laughs> comes out of the toilet, lighting a cigarette off of his other cigarette. Yeah, that's the classiest thing that people do. And, well, he didn't have the lighter because Bruckman had the lighter. No, it was never Javez's lighter. Well, I know, but he just didn't have another lighter. He's oh. just okay. needing, needing to... You would think that guy would have a lighter. Uh, I would think so, but it doesn't matter because that was the last cigarette he's ever going to smoke. The way that he runs at him, just the knife as far <laughs> above his head as he possibly can. And it's not a big enough knife to... Man, I, I have a problem I mean, with it... people getting killed by this knife. I feel it like It would you... work. It would work unless you fought back. You gotta really want it to kill somebody with that knife, and uh, that person kind of has to want it as well. Well, he was just relieved he wasn't gonna die of cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yay, not cancer! 
As the FBI agents and Detective Klein examine the site of the tarot dealer's murder, both Mulder and Klein remark on the killer's apparent sloppiness. Because this one was, they didn't even take his eyes. Yeah, it's because the puppet knew things were coming to an end. Yeah, something something distracted him in his rampage. He knew he was close to the wizard. That, and he was probably late for his shift. Oh, could be, yeah. <laughs> he had to go to work. He's been late too many times. He's going to lose his job. Because he went away quickly mm-hmm. and just showed he showed up at work, all buttoned up. He's got his uniform on. He's doing his job. Yeah. So, uh, Scully looks through the window at the crowd standing outside because there's always a crowd mm-hmm. <laughs> at a crime scene. And when she walks, she studies the crowd as she walks away, and she notices a piece of Chantilly lace, which is not black. None of the lace in this episode mm-hmm. is black, but she notices a strand on her finger. And then she says something like... She's holding the Page Boy tarot card as well. Is that what she's doing? Yeah. Okay. I was like, how does she intuit this? Because it's... All of the pieces fell together, but I wasn't sure what... It, okay. So and that, she's also seen the puppet at two of the crime scenes. Yes. Yeah. And he wasn't there this time. Right. So that's... I knew she was piecing that together, but then I was like, how did she the page boy so that's when she remembered running into him it all clicks in all of it clicked in and she says it's the bellhop is what she says i I think and then she runs out the door and Mulder and klein are just standing there their hands in their pants not being (laughs) being the worst being dumb dummies just yes just being the worst being misogyny but she's off to save the day dun 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 we see her arrive right after the puppet goes out the exit door. They just miss each other. Yeah. She rushes into the hotel room. No one's there. But she does find Havas's cigarette lying on the floor, still lit, all destroyed, all burnt up. It's all ash. Yes. Full ash cigarette. Bruckman's not there. I guess the body's there. It must be, but they never really mention it. Yeah. Weird. Meanwhile, Mulder and the killer catch sight of each other in the basement of the hotel. Mulder's trying... I don't know what he's doing. He's in the basement for a reason. And they see each other through a porthole in a, in a door. And the, the puppet is covered in blood because he stabbed a guy to death. And he's trying to, dis, he's trying to get his... Get, Coat off. Get rid of the evidence when they make eye contact and recognize each other. So then the chase scene happens... That we've seen already before. Yes, from the vision. I do like that they insert a a noise when the pie hits the floor. (laughs) Yeah. I really appreciate that. So that pie hasn't just been there all day. Yes. And Mulder is running around. He steps in the pie and he realizes this has happened and he turns around. But, surprise, if he hadn't turned around... (laughs) He'd have seen him coming. He would have seen him coming. It was all... Vague. Different. It was different. It was different than the vision. It was. And at that point, the puppet's got that tiny, got a tiny knife still, and he's going to murder Mulder, but Scully shows up out of the service elevator. It's a hell of a fight scene where he's got him behind, he's behind Mulder, and he's trying to pull the knife backwards, but Mulder's got his hand up. Yeah. Then he throws him against the wall and knees him in the gut, and Mulder falls down. Because, yeah, oh, 
what a, that knee to the gut really incapacitated him because then he just lays there doing nothing. Oh man, he while is dazed. <laughs> straddles Mulder with the knife. He's yeah, I'm gonna kill you, which was a weird thing to say because everybody knew. Right, we we knew we knew what was happening, but he doesn't get the opportunity because Scully comes out of a nearby service elevator and shoots him. Just has her gun out already and just just claps him. It's amazing. It was what should have happened so many other times. It's good job, Dana Scully. Yeah. Darren Morgan uh, did right by you. Darren Morgan was like, what the hell are you guys having Scully do? <laughs> yeah, Darren Morgan was like, what else would she do? Darren watched DPO and was like, what are you, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this to her? Hold on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and the puppet says, that's not how it was supposed to go. And then the knife still plummets into Mulder's body. Would have been a funny way for Mulder to die. But we know that that's not how he dies. No. Yeah, now we know. Scully lets Mulder know that her arrival was there purely by chance. She entered the service elevator by mistake. Which, you know, service elevators look exactly like pedestrian <laughs> elevators. Very easy to mistake those. My goodness. And they're always located right next to each other. Service elevators are usually very accessible. Right. The most, more accessible than the other elevators. Just to screw with people. It's fun to deliver the wrong people to the kitchens. (laughs) She tells him that the killer murdered Javes, but that she was unable to find Bruckman. So Mulder wonders where he is. So do all of us. The agents proceed to the apartments where um, Bruckman lives. They find her dog whimpering outside uh, on a leash where there's food and water in a bowl and a note taped to his door. Mm-hmm. It's outside his door. Is it his door? Mm-hmm. Because okay. they go inside and that's where he is. Okay. I wasn't paying close enough attention. I thought it was her door. That's that's also what some of the other summaries look like, but they open that door and the dog comes in. Okay. All I right. guess they could have gone from that door to the next door, but yeah, I'm... it doesn't matter. Either way, the note says that Mrs. Lowe passed away on the previous night, asks if they would like a dog, and implies that the dog ate some of the remains of Mrs. Lowe's body. Basically, they're like, can you get rid of what remains of the remains? (laughs) It's very weirdly worded. I said, how hungry was that dog? She died last night, and it's eating her stomach? That's why he said, do you have enough dog food? I know. It's hard to tell, too, because... very hungry dog. It was a very floofy dog, so that dog could have been real skinny. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. I have no idea. The agents enter the apartment, and in a moment of emotional significance, you know I didn't write that line, (laughs) Scully finds that Bruckman's deceased body lies on a bed, a bottle of pills in his hand, and a plastic bag over his head. Which is just a lot. It is a lot. He wanted to make sure. Yeah. It's it's bad. It's rough. It is rough. It is rough. And it makes me wonder if the head he saw in the bag at the beginning was his. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Ugh. Yikes. Very sad. Reminds me of The House of Sand and Fog. Don't watch that if you don't want to cry forever. Okay. And then be sad for 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, never even heard of it. Late that night, Scully is watching television with the dog. Yes, she kept the dog. I love that she kept the dog. It's amazing. She's watching some old movie. Laurel and Hardy. I was going to say some old TV show that you can get rights to. Yeah, public domain. (laughs) Yep. And a commercial for the Stupendous Yappies hotline comes on. This is where we see the baldest woman in charge again. Yeah. She's in the 
in the ad. She turns around and winks at the camera. Yep. Scully's watching it, staring at the TV, and he's like, pick up your phone, I know you will, and she picks up her I phone. I have seen your future. Yeah. She picks up her phone, and then she throws it at the television. Yeah, they do the slow crawl yeah. of her grabbing her phone, and it's supposed to be a misdirect that she's going to call him, I guess. Yeah. So the only misdirect in the episode that does not work. Right. Absolutely does not work. No, because we know. We know better. Yeah. But that is the end. I have one more bit of trivia for you. Okay. In 1997, the TV Guide ranked this episode number 10 on its 100 Greatest Episodes of All Time list. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah. I wonder what one through nine was. I don't know. I didn't look it up. I mean, I guess I could. It's okay. Uh, Who are you shipping? I am shipping Fox Mulder and Krav Maga. Because I'm tired of watching him get beat up. <laughs> he just, he he's not a good fighter. No. He is incapacitated by a knee to the stomach. They didn't even throw him into boxes. No. Empty boxes. I like that. Who are you shipping? Scully and that dog. <laughs> All right. I hope we see that dog again. Excellent. I hope there's, a, we, even if we don't see that dog again, I hope there's mentions that she kept the dog and the dog is at yeah. home, like, throughout. <laughs> oh, yeah, we hear the dog's name and then... It's just every once in a while, hey, how's dog name? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Because I think that it would be nice for her to have a little a cozy cuddle buddy at home. Yeah. She's got, a, she's got a hard job. She does. Not only is her job pulling out her gun on people she's not going to shoot, <laughs> she has to deal with Fox Mulder's bullshit constantly. Women's intuition. Oh, yeah. How are you surviving? I am going to find out how I die and then not do that. Ah, I'm going with Scully. You're just going with Scully? She's not going to die. Like two by two? Yep. Oh, you're going to do whatever she does yep. to, say, to become immortal. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's a better one. <laughs> Fantastic. She doesn't die. Yep. yep. I'm going to see why not. <laughs> awesome. All right. Bye, guys. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal6. Logo by Art. That's O-O-K-A-R-T. Mulder's got a feeling. I got a feeling. That this is gonna be a psychic. <laughs> yep. No, that's terrible. I'm cutting, that. cutting my part of that out. Oh yeah, because mine was in tune. That's great. Yes. Yours Beautiful.